You're listening to the Rabbit Room Podcast. Visit us at rabbitroom.com for more information. Hi, I'm Pete Peterson. Welcome to this episode of the Rabbit Room Podcast. I am here today with uh, Mr. John Barber, and uh, today is Black Saturday. Yesterday was Good Friday. And it was the release date for Batman versus Superman, which I was really excited about. I think John was excited about. We went to see it. Just like, maybe since this is the first time we've done one of these uh, uh, movie podcasts, let me just briefly say that my intent is to maintain a basic general policy of positive reviews only. And that doesn't mean that I will give a positive review to a bad movie. That means if there's a bad movie, we're probably not going to talk much about it because we prefer to talk about things that we really like and prefer to recommend. So having said that, Batman versus Superman. First, before we talk about the actual movie, I encountered a lot of resistance just in the run-up to the release of friends of mine saying, why would you even want to see that movie? And uh, so did you encounter any of that? Uh, well, I I have something you don't have, Pete, which is a 16-year-old son who... <laughs> yeah who loves comic books and uh, just like I did when I was 16 and still do. Um, and he was really excited about seeing this. So his enthusiasm kind of rubbed off on me. And so we, we made plans to see it as early as we could. I was, I mean, I wasn't too excited about it because I have, I have some opinions about Zack Snyder as a director and they're not very good. Um, but I was, I was being intentionally positive going into this. One. In my own defense, I was looking forward to it optimistically because I am so thoroughly sick of the superhero movie plot, which just basically boils down to here's a superhero and here's a bad guy who is going to take over the world and they're going to punch each other until one of them wins. And so I was excited about the fact that, okay, one, I'm a Frank Miller fan, so Batman and Superman have fought historically in the comics and I was anxious to see how that would play out. But two, here's an opportunity to have a different superhero movie plot which could be a good thing. So, what was your impression of the movie? Okay, my impression of the movie. Um, it's kind of funny that you said a minute ago that we weren't going to do bad reviews. I feel like we're well, making we, an exception in the very first one here. But surely there's something good that we can say. No, there there is. <laughs> I actually liked it more than I than I anticipated liking it. Um, the the visuals are gorgeous. Um, the uh, I, I liked Jesse Eisenberg a lot as Lex Luthor. I uh, I don't know that you agree with me there, but but I thought he was a lot of fun. I thought he was he's the best Lex Luthor we've had on the big screen. I thought um, he was he, almost completely unwatchable. <laughs> <laughs> I dug him. I, I I had a good time with him. Well, it was like I felt like he was he somebody like he didn't get the memo that he was playing Lex Luthor, and he was like, oh, I'm the Joker. <laughs> it's almost like if, if you went to see a Star Wars movie and the guy that was playing Luke Skywalker thought that he was playing Darth Vader and it would just be weird. And I just couldn't stand him. Yeah, I'm sorry. sorry. It's OK. It's all right. It's, and I, it's all right. And to be fair, I also thought it was one of the ugliest movies I had, I've seen in years. Like the color palette was just gross. I, there's not a single memorable image in it. And certainly none of the images convey anything deeper than just Zack Snyder's idea of cool. Well, I mean, Sam and I had a conversation about this when the movie was over, and that's that there's no sun in the entire movie. The, the sun uh, yeah. basically doesn't exist. Yeah. And even there's one scene that's brightly lit, and it's it's uh, it's on a beach. 
right. um, in the around the Indian Ocean somewhere. And even in that scene, the characters all stand in the shadows, and the the sort of magical object is brought to them in the shadows, rather than rather than them stepping out onto this brightly lit beach. So uh, I honestly. You know, my mom taught me if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything. So if I'm following that advice, like this podcast is over now. I really, okay, that's not entirely true. I thought Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman was at least interesting. So for like the two hours and 40 minutes of the movie, the three minutes that she was in were my favorite parts. Yeah, she she wasn't in it nearly enough. And if, and if I can just offer one, maybe my biggest critique of the movie, I know we're supposed to be positive here, but I, I can't help but say this one. In a year where, or in a couple of years where women in cinema have been so nicely done by um, Mad Max, George Miller and Mad Max, and uh, and some other films, to have a movie where all of the women strictly existed to be saved by all of the men really bothered yeah. me. Well, Gal Gadot wasn't that way, though. No, least. but she's in the okay. movie for three minutes, and she, yeah, right. she actually she does very little. Right. But you, you need Superman to show up, yeah. push Lois Lane off the top of a building. Oh, yeah. Horrible. Horrible. Yeah, so. But it was, like, I, if I'm being completely honest, I was utterly delighted by the moment when Wonder Woman shows up and saves Batman and Superman. I thought I thought that was great. I th- I hated everything else about. I, I'm done talking about Batman versus Superman with with the exception of the Michael Shannon angle. Unless you've got something else to say. Um, no, in fact, I think I agree with you here that Michael Shannon maybe gave us the best performance in the film. Absolutely, um, Michael Shannon. For those of you who don't know, was General Zod in Superman Return. What was the name of that movie? Uh, the Man of Steel. Man of Steel, yeah. Which I also did not like. But um, uh, he played General Zod, and in that movie, I was not a fan of his. However, since then, I've seen him in some other things, and I really appreciated his work. So when I went to see Batman vs. Superman, and he showed up as a corpse, I was like, oh, this is great. This is great. Like, this performance is fantastic. Like, as soon as he shows up as a corpse, immediately, he puts everybody else in the movie in the shadow. <laughs> Yeah, again, I was pretty grateful for some, some artful placing of arms and, and things so as to obscure... Because he's a naked corpse, right? He's a naked corpse, yeah. yeah. So, In so, his finest role. No, just kidding. I love... I, I've been a big fan of Michael Shannon for years and years. So what else have you seen him in? Like, we're going to talk about one of his movies here in a minute. But uh, other than that movie, I, I don't, I'm not really familiar with his work. You know, his collaboration with Jeff Nichols in um, Shotgun Stories and Take Shelter... Are, are two of my favorite movies, certainly by Nichols as one of my favorite young directors. But, but, but Shannon just d- has this way of being an everyman, normal guy. He can be working on a on an oil rig in one film, and then you know, unfortunately, General Zod in another. But and a, and a corpse in yet another. <laughs> remarkable, <laughs> remarkable performance as a corpse. Yeah. <laughs> even MVP though, of the movie. even though he was actually made out of rubber, as is very obvious in the movie. <laughs> Correct. Correct. So, um, so leaving Superman behind, Batman and Superman behind. Um, I just saw this past week for the first time a movie that I had wanted to see for a very long time, based on a lot of recommendations, and that was Take Shelter. Um, you've been telling me for a long time that it's one of your favorites. Um, so, do you want to tell? So, just maybe give a brief synopsis or start that conversation. Yeah, sure. Um, I was asked a year ago, early last year, to come up with kind of my my top films of the decade so far. So twenty the twenty tens, 
and I, I put a lot of thought into it. This movie, this little movie that I saw in the theater called Take Shelter just kept coming up and up to my mind. And Take Shelter came out in 2011, directed by a guy named Jeff Nichols. And it's about a man who is seeing visions of a storm coming. He doesn't know if he's going crazy or if something's actually going to happen. And, and the movie is about his struggle uh, with that question. And it's, it's a movie that just it bored its way into my soul. And I actually watched it again this morning in preparation for this podcast. Yeah, so I, I just I love it a lot. Well, I had never seen it before, partly because my first exposure to I had seen the trailers for the movie. and I thought it was really interesting, but I never got around to watching it. And then I went to see Man of Steel and and Michael Shannon. And that was so unpleasant to me that I would just kind of like, oh, I don't need any more of this guy. So for whatever reason, last week, uh, Jennifer and I, my wife and I sat down to watch Take Shelter for the first time. And man, I just, I loved it. And I hesitate to over kind of sell the movie because it's not a big bombastic, um, like knock your socks off movie. It's more the kind of movie that is fascinating as you watch it and you don't realize how good it was until the week, a week later when you're still thinking about it. Definitely. Which is my favorite kind of movie experience. And uh, Jennifer had the same experience. Uh, she initially, I don't think she really enjoyed the experience of watching it. When it was over, she was like, huh, that was interesting. But then just today, she she turned to me and said, you know, I'm still thinking about that movie. And like that's a real indication of a great piece of work to me, is that it sticks in your head. And and not in a, in a way that's, uh, beca not because it's been disturbing, but because it's been thought-provoking and potentially ambiguous. I think Tree of Life was that way. Yep. Like you really enjoyed the experience of watching it. And then when it when it finishes the first time, you're like, what the heck was that? Especially of the third act, you know? So, but no matter what you think of the third act of that film, it sticks in your brain and you keep, it keeps you thinking about the whole thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I felt like well, Shelter was in that same kind of uh, ballpark of ambiguity. Yeah, and if it's if it's any indication as to your uh, to your comparison to Tree of Life, there on that on that list of 2010 movies, Tree of Life is at number one. So that, if that yeah. if that lets you know where where I fall in that, yeah, that would um, definitely be in my list too. What I love about Take Shelter, or one of the many things I love about it, is your sort of allegiance is constantly flip flopping. Right. Um, you don't. You're very much in the same boat he is. You don't know what to believe the entire movie, even at the and even at the very end, you're not entirely sure what to believe. Right. And it's like, you know, somebody or Jennifer told me she read a little bit about the movie and told me before we started watching it. She said, "Oh, basically, it's a Job story." And I thought, "Huh, okay." So then we got like three quarters of the way through the movie, and I turned to her and I was like, "How in the world is this a Job story?" <laughs> She said, isn't it obvious? And I said, no, it's not obvious at all to me. And she, and then after the movie was over, we talked about it again. And she said, oh, I meant Noah. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot more sense. It made, and okay, okay, that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> but uh, I was kind of glad that nobody had said that to me. I kind of, you know, drew that conclusion as I watched it. But I didn't know that going in, which was nice. And so having said that, like, that, I feel like it's a little disingenuous to tell somebody, oh, it's a Noah story. Because it's not, you know, it's not leading up to the flood where this guy is justified in everything he's done and, you know, and God was speaking to him. That's not the point of the movie, I don't think. And what I loved about it is that, like you said, you the, the movie is tense. It's like a coiled spring in which you're never sure 
what you think about what's going on. So, and there's one scene, my favorite scene, I think, in the film was as he's think he thinks he's going crazy and he's seeing these visions and storms. And he's slowly becoming aware of the fact that other people are not seeing these two. And, and, and he stops on the side of the road and gets out of the car and he sees this storm in the distance. And uh, he's, he's by himself, but he kind of looks around and says, does anybody else see this? And I thought it was a great scene because that's exactly where the audience is at that time. Like that's the point in the movie where I started to wonder, is this real or is it totally in his head? Mm-hmm. And I just thought it, it was a brilliant moment of showing don't show no tell, mm-hmm. and that like you arrive at that conclusion, and then like ten seconds later, he drives the point home by by asking the audience essentially, "Is anybody else seeing this?" Which was great. And uh, so I feel like it's a film about mental illness in a lot of ways. And Clearly. and mm-hmm. when it was over, uh, like Jennifer and I both had different interpretations of the ending. How do, do you think it's okay to spoil the ending here? I mean, the movie came out five years ago. That's what I feel. So I feel like we're not, you know, jumping the gun by telling people what happens. But essentially, yes. he gets to the end of the movie and he's kind of acknowledged the fact that he's mentally ill and he's having these uh, kind of paranoid delusions. And then uh, the, he and his wife and family go to a vacation on the beach, and he looks up, or his daughter draws his attention to the fact that there's this crazy-looking storm coming, which is what he's been afraid of throughout the whole movie. And uh, he turns around, and he looks at his wife, and she nods and said, yes, this is real. And then it's kind, and then that's kind of the end of the movie. But, but it's interesting because I feel like it was a great encapsulation of the entire film in that he had finally come to realize that he wasn't sure what reality was. And the only way forward in his life was to learn to trust his wife and to recognize that her reality, he had to, he had to trust that her reality was the same as his. And so at that last scene, he sees this crazy thing that he knew was coming the whole time, but then he turns around and he's, he's ready not to believe it. But then she says, no, you're right. And it's like, okay, I can go forward and keep my family together because together we have a good grasp of reality. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And it, to my mind, the movie, if it's about anything, it's about listening. Yeah. Um, so their daughter is deaf and right. she, huh. she hasn't always been deaf. It's, it's pretty clear that she hasn't always been deaf. Right. And th- there's a scene at the very beginning of the movie that, I don't guess I realized the first couple of times I saw it, but today it really struck me where um, he and his wife are in the standing in the doorway of their daughter's bedroom. And he says, I still try to be quiet when I come in so I don't wake her. Yeah. And his wife says, and I, I whisper because I forget. That's the whole movie to me. It's being able to listen to each other and being able to listen to what's going on around you. Right. Right. Primarily, it's this between in this relationship between the two of them, this husband and this wife, learning to listen to each other, um, yeah, and and trust each other, like you said, right. And it's interesting too because Michael Shannon's character is not always the he's not just the good guy that's kind of set upon because nobody un- understands him. Like he makes some really bad choices throughout the movie that puts his whole family at risk uh, in ways that you know make you dislike him sometimes, but they also make him more human. Like, I love the scene, you know, when they go to, like, the Lions Club dinner, and he flips the table and yells at everybody. And uh, at that moment, you know, he's not the good guy. You know, he's kind of the crazy guy. But then, like, you see him recognize that in himself. And it becomes this beautiful scene when his wife 
instead of saying, how dare you, just hugs him and, you know, shows him, you know, her affection. Yeah. Um, Jessica Chastain, you know, is I think one of our, <laughs> one of our greatest living actors at the moment. And, uh, this is exhibit a for that for yeah. me. Um, Shannon's great, but Chastain is, is next level good in this movie. Yeah. She's fantastic. And, her ability to show mercy to a man who she loves. She calls him babe or baby all the time through the, throughout the film. And somehow, despite his self-defeating efforts over and over and over again, she stays. Yeah. I thought uh, that was my, I think that was my favorite thing about the movie was the portrayal of the marriage. Like it felt yeah. so, so real. And the, it, the only, like the nearest comparison that I can think of is Friday Night Lights. Like what I love about that that show was how authentic uh, the marriage seemed, and I thought this was like this is much more serious, much deeper. I think, but the same kind of authenticity, which was beautiful. Yeah, if if uh, Batman versus Superman is a movie about um, not being able to hear each other over the explosions, which is kind of what it is. Yeah, uh, this is a movie about putting those things behind you to be able to hear what, what the other person's saying. Yeah. Maybe that's why Michael Shannon is so quiet in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, which movie? Both movies. And Batman versus Superman. <laughs> quiet and take shelter too. He's just listening. He's listening. He's teaching everybody else how to, how to, how to get by in the world. We have to listen. <laughs> uh, but speaking of Batman versus Superman, my favorite performance in that movie is Holly Hunter as the senator, and unfortunately her character gets cut way too short, right as she's saying the most important thing that can be said in the movie. <laughs> yeah, no comment. No comment. <laughs> I'm trying to be positive here. I'm trying to be positive by <laughs> um, by having no comment. Um, but yeah, take shelter. Um, going back to that very last scene for a second, the one on the beach, it didn't occur to me till I watched it this time, but I guess there is a viewing in, in which you could see that last scene as just another vision um, yeah. and not reality as well. I, I, and that's part of what I love about it is that you're not entirely sure. I don't think like, I, I think the more I've thought about it and I went back and watched the end again, like I think it is what happened. Yeah. I think there was something apocalyptic happening and he was justified in the things that he had done. But I think, you know, for those of us who are not ready to make that leap, I think that uh, interpretation is also viable, which is great. It's great storytelling, I think. Yeah. And I think there, there's so many biblical allusions. I mean, there's not only the Noah connection there, but there's also the uh, the flipping over of the table at the dinner. And there's the sort of the, the birds falling out of the sky, which... I think just lends itself to there's there's a thing coming there's a yeah there's a, a revelation coming an apocalypse coming I, I think that that's the explanation that makes the most sense for me anyway I've got no trouble with it yeah yeah I don't either so Jeff Nichols that was my first encounter with his work no that's not true I've seen Mud and I You've really really enjoyed Mud mm -hmm. one of my like I'm a, I'm actually a fan of Matthew McConaughey. I am too. And that is maybe my favorite role of his. I thought he was fantastic. But uh, I haven't seen this other film that you you mentioned, which is Shotgun Stories. Shotgun Stories. That's Dustin Nichols' first movie, and Michael okay. Shannon's in it as well. Um, it's a movie. I really enjoyed it, too. I mean, it's a movie about three brothers who um, their father dies, and this father who they'd been estranged from had other sons 
And the movie is about an escalating feud between these two groups of sons from the same father. Interesting. And it, it's it's just it's gorgeous, and it's um, it's about the escalation of violence. In some ways, I go back to this not being not being able to listen to each other. It reminded me a bit of of Batman versus Superman as I was watching it again. About the escalation of things. Yeah, just. I'm not going to listen to what you're saying, so I'm going to punch harder. Right. Huh. So uh, I'm going to have to go see that one when I get a chance. It's uh, uh, it's streaming on Amazon. Okay. BT dubs. Good to know. And I'm also, I was really disappointed. Uh, I was fully intending yesterday to see not only Batman versus Superman, but Midnight Special as well, That which is Jeff Nichols' new film. But it's not playing anywhere here in Nashville, so I haven't seen it yet. But I'm yeah, really I looking forward either. to it. It's it's the movie I've been looking forward to more than any other one for for a yeah. long time. And it's interesting to me that it, like from the trailer, it's it has a very Steven Spielbergian mm-hmm. feel, like early mm-hmm. you know nineteen eighties Spielberg. Yep. And that's also the vibe that I got in Take Shelter. Like multiple times, I thought I'm watching somebody else's version of Close Encounters with of the Third Kind. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, um, the same kind of. You know, it's, I mean, it's dealing with the same kind of character who is obsessed with something that only he sees and everybody else thinks he's crazy. But yeah, just, uh, just less mashed potatoes in this one. Right, right. <laughs> and UFOs, less UFOs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fewer UFOs. All right. Well, thanks for talking, John. You, you want to you have anything else to say before we wrap? Not really. Uh, if you've got uh, eight bucks to burn. Hop on uh, Amazon and, and rent Take Shelter, maybe before you venture out to the theater to see Batman versus Superman. Absolutely. Absolutely. Save your money on the other. Uh, and I would also say, just as a coda, I am cautiously optimistic about Captain America's Civil War for the exact same reason that I was optimistic about Batman <laughs> versus Superman. Because it gives it has the potential to be a different superhero story, even though it's essentially the same story. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. So, all right. Well, thank you, John. Um, we'll talk again soon. Great. Thanks a lot, Pete. All right. Bye. Bye. For more information about The Rabbit Room and The Rabbit Room Podcast, visit us at rabbitroom.com. Music composed and performed by Andrew Osinga from his album Solar Wind.